Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a four-part series entitled Joyride. This sermon series will teach all the ways to unpack the DNA of contagious joy and live with it overflowing. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome to New Hope Church. All of you here at Central Campus, we are glad that you're in the house of the Lord. We want to welcome those of you on the internet campus, checking us out anywhere around the world. The ladies, daughters of the king at NCCIW. I think the day has been confirmed for me to come out there in May and be with you ladies. And I cannot wait. Welcome to the uh, television crowd on Fox 57 in Columbia and those around here on CW22. Um, welcome to Garner Campus, Sanford Campus. I'm sure I'm leaving one. Oh, Coffee House Campus that uh, had an amazing day last Sunday. And I hope you enjoyed the donut holes if you were up there last Sunday. And I hope you're not disappointed today because there's not any donut holes up there today. So hopefully you went there for Jesus last week, right? And the donut holes were just thrown in. Amen? We're glad all of you are here. Hey, I want to go ahead and give you a date. May 12th, which is, anybody know? Hey, it's Mother's Day. Take care of your moms, good people. Bless your moms on Mother's Day. May 12th, I just want to give you a heads up. We have a big surprise in worship on that day. I'm not going to give you any more information, but just know that a big surprise is coming on May 12th. You'll hear a little bit more about that as we get closer. So here's the deal. If you weren't here last Sunday, I want to encourage you to go by the Resource Center and pick up last week's message. Just go by there after the service this morning at any of the campuses. They all have resource centers. Go pick up the message from last week. And if you were here, you'll recall that at the end of the message last week, in the section where I was talking about standing firm, remember? I was talking about standing firm, but not standing still. I was talking about getting our equilibrium and and, and standing firm amidst life's highs and lows, but not standing still. I said some things like this. I said, I want to encourage you to be all you can be in a world that has long lost its way. I said things like this. It's springtime. Everything is coming to life. Why don't you? I said, have you wanted to start a job adventure? Go for it. Have you wanted to start running? Go for it. Putting off that trip. Remember I said book the airline tickets baby and get in the sky. I said do some spring cleaning in your soul and your spirit. And do whatever it is that brings you to life. I said reach for the stars. I said sometimes your hand might get slapped. But reach for the stars and find your joy. Y'all remember all that? So I touched down at the airport last night at 9.15. And uh, my lovely wife is there to pick me up, and uh, we, I get in the car, and we're just catching up, and um, we're just talking, 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 and then right, she waited till almost when we got all the way home, you know, a good 35-minute drive from the airport to our house on the other side of Chapel Hill, and she goes, um, just want to warn you, when you come in the house, um, there are chickens In our mudroom, we have a little mudroom. You walk in the side door, there's a little mudroom where we keep all our shoes. And with a family our size, that's a lot of shoes. She goes, there there, there are chickens in the mudroom. And she goes, there's a garden in our yard. And I said, really? I said, honey, my wife was raised in Tallahassee, Florida on a farm. And... um, she goes, and before you, before you say anything, she goes, my pastor encouraged me to do it. <laughs> and so I, I took a few pictures of her last. First, I walk into the mudroom, and this is, this is what's in the mudroom. Here, here are the picture of four chicks. She says, we're going to have eggs in six months. Check it out. Here, here are the chickens. Aww. One, one, one she named Moonshine. 
I don't know if you named it that or a kid named that. My wife, she's never had a drop of moonshine in her life. I, who knows? Maybe we're going to have a moonshine still out back before long. I don't what. <laughs> And I'm just kidding. But hey, we might have cows and pigs before you know it. I mean, we, she might be working on the deal where we don't even have to go to merits anymore to get a BLT. We just kill a pig and have our BLT right there at the house. Um, but it, here's my favorite picture. Isn't this great? Look at this next one. Oh. So we got chickens, man. Welcome home. <laughs> Remember what I said last week? I said, listen, Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. Read it out loud with me. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Again, a cheerful heart is good medicine. One more time. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Now lean in closely today, church. Take out your teaching notes. Grab that pen in front of you. Because here's the deal. We did a lot of laughing up in this place last week. Because laughter is good for the soul. Amen? I even showed you last week how scientifically speaking, laughter is good for your mind. It's good for your body. Your muscles massage your organs. Your lungs expand. Laughter is just good for you. But today's not going to be a day where we do a bunch of laughing. Because joy is far deeper than surface-oriented happiness. And while we might laugh some, we're actually going to tackle one of the most important, biggest subject matters we could ever discuss when it comes to a human being experiencing authentic joy. And so there are two questions that I want to throw at you. One, you've asked a lot. One, one, the truth is everybody in here has asked this question. The truth is many of you obsess over this question. You think about it day and night. Some of you have never answered this question adequately. Others of you have, and you're the ones who have probably experienced the most authentic joy. Here's the question. Can I know for sure What God wants me to do with my life. Can I know for sure. What God wants me to do with my life. Just just sit in it for a moment. Or or we could go old school. right? Here's the way you heard it asked when you were growing up as a kid. If you went to church somewhere you probably heard this. Can I know. What God's will is for my life. Can I know what God's will is for my life? And come on church, don't you want to know the answer to that question? I mean, we only get one trip around planet earth. Don't you want to know that you have figured out What you are supposed to do with your one and only life. When you stand before almighty God one day. Don't you want to be able to declare and know that he knows. That you have done with your one and only life. What God had called you to do with your one and only life. Now check it out. The experience of authentic joy in your life. Comes down to whether or not you can answer that question, but here's the real kicker. The answer is not what you think. Some of you have been spending countless hours and energy and time in educational degrees and vocational endeavors, and you're trying hard, hard, hard to figure out what is that one thing that you should and you are called to do with your one and only life. But the answer, I believe, is not what you think it is. Open your Bibles to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And I just love when we do this. I hope it doesn't bother you. I, I, I just love when we do this. Can we stand in honor of God's word? That's a little old school too, but hey. Verses 15 through 17, here we go. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish. I love that you're, you're reading scripture without even me asking you. Way to go. One another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Pray with me. Father, I pray. Oh, I pray, God, as I've been praying all week long, that we would experience a heart revolution here today. Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus, you change the destinies of thousands of people today. And that as a result of understanding these three verses from your word, we will start to see the world and our participation in the world with greater clarity, greater purpose, greater passion. That will land us, Father God, right in the middle of a joy ride. So take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and fill with them. Take my lips, Lord Jesus, and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Keep your Bibles open. Keep your teaching notes in front of you. Check it out, church. Much of what we discover today from God's word, we will unpack from these three verses. And let me just go ahead and say this up front. Much of what we talk about today, if you're going to appropriate it in your life, you will spend the next three, four, five, maybe even a decade of years actually figuring out this message. In other words, you're going to understand it today, hopefully, but you really won't figure it out until further down the road in life. Read that last verse with me, verses 15 through 17 again, out loud at all of our campuses. Let's read it really strong. Ready? Go. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Notice the words that are underlined. What are they? What are they? Let's read it aloud, all of our campuses. Whatever you do, again, whatever you do. One more time, again, whatever you do. Now check it out. I was in Colorado this week and I had some time, so I started studying that phrase, whatever you do. Studied it in the commentaries. Studied it in the Word. Whatever you do actually means whatever you do. It's, it's, it's whatever you do. And this gets us right to the heart of the problem and why so many of us have been frustrated in our lives. It's because we've been trying to figure out what is the one thing. Some of us have bought into the myth or the lie that, that we were created, listen, to do one thing in life. Oh God, help me figure out what that one thing is. God, I'm going to declare that as my major. So we run down that trail. God, I'm going to go in this direction because I think this is the one thing you want me to do. God, show me the one thing you want me to do. And God says, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I guess it's the valley girls. You, whatever. Whatever. Whatever you do. Seriously, I'm not trying to mess with you. But God's word is kind of messing with us a little bit today. Whatever. God's word here in Colossians 3.17. Listen church. Swings wide the door of opportunities and callings and vocations in your life. There are many things that you can do. And for us to understand these three verses. We have to understand two words today. Two words. What is it, church? We have to understand purpose today. The other word that we have to understand, what is it, church? 
If we're going to understand Colossians 3, 15 through 17, we have to understand these two words. And before we get into them very deeply, let me let you know this. Passion and purpose are different. Passion and purpose are different. When Paul says, whatever you do, he's getting at our passion. And when he says... Whether you do it in word or deed, do it giving thanks to Jesus Christ, to the glory of God the Father. He's speaking of purpose. So let me give you a few working definitions. Let's start with this one. Let's start with passion. Passion. It is the unique gifting, wiring, and aptitude that makes you come alive and enables you to fulfill your God-given potential. That's what your passion is. It's the unique gifting... Wiring an aptitude that makes you come alive and enables you to fulfill your God-given potential. So let me just break it down for you today, okay? All of you here, every single one of you, every single one of you at all the campuses, if you're sitting somewhere in front of a computer or a television screen, every single person is uniquely gifted with aptitude and gifts and wiring That causes you to come alive when you do something and to experience your God-given potential. What that means is the person sitting beside you has different giftings and wirings and aptitudes than you. The person sitting behind you and in front of you has very different giftings. And so the Bible says, whatever. And so I thought about actually coming in here today. I actually thought about, I actually sat down to do it. And I said, that's ridiculous. I thought about actually listing all the whatevers. Like all the whatevers. And then I realized, even if I listed all the whatevers, I could probably list 10 pages, single space of all the whatevers that you could do. And then I realized, even if I did that, I would leave your whatever out. So, so like, maybe your whatever is like my good childhood buddy, Jimmy Lowry was. He was a small appliance repairman. Jimmy, Jimmy loved, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Jimmy loves to this day to fix broken garbage disposals. He loves to fix microwaves. Maybe your whatever is your, you know, you have a vision, you have a dream to be a small appliance repair person. I mean, you love to carry all the tools around in your pocket. If your appliance breaks, you know, call you and you are happy. And some of your parents are like, well, I hope that's not my kid. Um, no, 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 don't, don't go there too quickly, right? Right? Because your kid, if he or she wanted to be a small appliance repair person, they might be the best small appliance repair person in the world. For all you know, they might end up with 640 vans around the country. JoJo's Small Appliance Repair Company. They might be able to fund your retirement. Now you're getting getting excited about it. Right? Right? Just think about it for a moment. Here's the problem. Nothing in our culture teaches you this. Everything in our culture, everything in our educational institutions, most of our parents, parents, listen closely to this today. Most of our parents and most of us as parents, if we're not careful, we will teach our children as we have been taught, and that is go into the educational track or go into the vocational track that promises you prestige, Promises you a certain salary scale. Promises you the ability to hang certain degrees on your wall. Never do we hear in our culture the notion to do what lights your passion. To do what God has uniquely gifted and wired you to do. So that when you do it, listen... You come alive. And the result is we have a culture of people. We have a world of people. And it would be the overwhelming majority of us in here today. If we were honest with ourselves, we would admit that we hate the vocational track we have taken. And think about that for a moment. What you do for a living is about half of your waking hours. 
That, that's why this subject matter is so important today. Bible says, whatever you do, figure out what your passion is. Look at it in 317. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. The Father, so that you come alive. God declares passion comes down to who you are, and purpose comes down to who I am. Let's talk about this other word. Let's talk about purpose. Let's talk about purpose. Let me give you a working definition for it. Purpose is the object toward which one strives or for which something exists, an aim or a goal. Passion is what brings us alive. Purpose. If we get the purpose right, listen church, that is what enables the passion or the vocation to be whatever. Are you with me? Somebody let me know you're with me. See, see, if, if, if I get my purpose right, God says if you learn that whatever you do, street sweeper, sculptor, small appliance repair dude, Pastor, if you get your purpose right, it is to do it and give honor and glory to Jesus Christ regardless of what you do. God says, so long as you get the purpose right, you can do whatever you want to do. And something powerful happens when an individual figures out what their passion is, what brings them to life. And they settle in their spirit this purpose to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ and all that I do. When those two intersect, when passion and purpose intersect, then you are on the verge of experiencing what church? Joyride. But you got to settle the purpose one. In your spirit. The Bible says this in Romans eleven thirty six. Read these two verses of scripture with me. Then we'll read Colossians. But first Romans eleven thirty six. Ready? Go. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So so from who? Jesus. From him. And through who? Jesus. And for who? Jesus are all things. Colossians 1. Look at this verse. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. All things have been created through him. And what church? So God says, get the purpose right. And then I fling wide the doors. On what you can do with your life. How you can find the trajectory for you. The educational path for you. The vocational path for you. Listen, imagine this. That actually brings you to life. You can experience that. And I'm fully aware that some of you are going to be wrestling with this over the months and years ahead. Some of you are questioning your educational track. Some of you are questioning what you're doing right now. And I would say to you, good. Because the last thing I want for you is for you to actually lock into a vocation in your life where you are miserable day in and day out. Where you get up every single day. And you hate going to work. Let me give you two truths that just kind of bring these two together. Truth number one. God has uniquely wired me so that when I do certain things, I come alive with what church? With what? Passion and start to experience my God-given potential. Hold that truth firmly in your grasp for just a moment. Breathe on that. But here's truth number two. God has given me an ultimate purpose so that regardless of whatever I do with my one and only life, it is pursued, sustained, and accomplished for God. 
Your aptitude is not just to promote your vocation or your career. Please hear that. Your gifting and your wiring and your aptitude, listen, is not just to boost your earnings. Your wiring, your aptitude, and your giftings is to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ, regardless of what you do. Are you with me? Say amen. So I want to spend the remaining time today, and I want to talk about three shifts. If, if what I've said so far is true, if, if what the Bible is saying, listen, you can do whatever you want to do. If what I have said so far is true, then I want to give you three shifts that will happen in your heart and your mind as you appropriate this teaching today. Here's the first one. You now have the freedom... Underline the word freedom or write it in your bulletin. You now have the freedom to identify and embrace your passion. Some of you have been spending your life and you know that when you do something, you come alive. But at one point in time in your life, somebody laughed at you about that. Some of you are here and you set out on a trajectory at one point in time and you knew you were heading in the direction where you came alive and some parent, some aunt, some uncle, some grandparent squashed that. This teaching today, this is why this is so huge for us. You now have the freedom. Everybody say freedom. You have the freedom to identify and embrace your Passion. Any NASCAR fans in the house? Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Renita, you're in. Let me do it again because you you don't have to be ashamed of me. Some of you are like, I would never admit that. I mean, what do you do for a living? I drive straight, left, straight, left, straight. Any NASCAR fans? Come on, be, be proud of it. NASCAR is fun. NASCAR is fun. I like NASCAR. Um, my kids won't let me watch it anymore. Um, they just hate it. And I don't really like watching it on TV except the crashes. I'm a sinner. I, I fast forward. Come on, tell me if you do this. I fast forward to the crashes. If you, if you fast forward NASCAR and look up in the top left-hand screen, they'll, there's a little green, little green light on letting you know they're, they're, they're racing. But if you fast forward and you see the little green light turn yellow, oh, baby. <laughs> Hit pause and play, and you get to see all the crashes. It's awesome. And don't, don't judge me. <laughs> I'm praying that everybody's okay. But I like the crashes. So, so NASCAR, I mean, some of you, and, and by the way, I don't know what it's like. I got a feeling that in Garner and Sanford, there might have been more NASCAR fans. And woohoo to the NASCAR fans over there at the campuses. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I actually, I like to go to a race better than I like to watch it on TV. But let me tell you a little bit about NASCAR. NASCAR, some of you who don't watch it and you're not fans of it, and that was the overwhelming majority of you folks here today. You watch NASCAR and you just kind of think it's a bunch of old bubbles and rednecks is just bumping and, and gunning. And you, let, let me tell you about NASCAR. When they come down pit road, you think they're crawling, they're actually doing about 65 miles an hour down pit road. They stop in a period of about 15 feet and park. And then when they do that, the crew comes out, the pit crew. And the pit crew does unbelievable amount of work. They take that little clear piece of plastic off the window. They have a bunch of, bunch of those to kind of keep the, the, the bugs and all that off. They peel that off. They check the tire pressure. They put gas in it. They hand the driver a drink. Have you ever noticed the, the left tire lug nut guy? The left tire lug nut guy comes in and he goes, beep, 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 takes the tire off, puts the tire back on. They take off all in 12 seconds. Some of you can't even pull your credit card out and pay a bill in 12 seconds. Well, 12 seconds. And I remember one time I went to a race in Charlotte. I took my kids and we happened to sit right in front of Pitt Road. 
And we watched one team, when they did it in like 11.5 seconds, everybody, the car took off and they all started, you know, kind of drinking, getting back in their place. I noticed that the left tire lug nut dude crossed over the wall and went over there and there was a, there was a dummy tire up on a little mount and he went, he kept practicing and practicing and practicing. Listen, church, it doesn't matter what you do so long as you do it with excellence that gives glory and honor to God. Number two, this, this is, this is going to rock some of you because this is going to be way out of your comfort zone because you look at people like me different than you look at people like you. And I'm going to level the playing field here with you today. Number two, there is no distinction between the sacred and the secular in the kingdom of God. Write it in. There is no distinction between the what? Sacred and the secular in the kingdom of God. Now, that's a big statement. I didn't get many amens right there. Right? In God's economy, listen, there is no line for preachers or church staff who do, if you will, the work of God while all the rest of you do stuff that doesn't matter. See, many of you were taught that growing up. You were taught that the priest or the pastor, he was holy, right? And he did God's work. And all the rest of us lowly lay people did everything else in the world. God wants you to do what makes you come alive. And if you do it with the right purpose to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Listen, you could be doing more sacred work than the pastor. If the pastor doesn't have this purpose down. So you think, oh, well, he preaches, he prays, he marries, he buries, <laughs> he pours that little juice in the little juice cups, and I wish he'd do wine, but they keep doing juice, <laughs> and, and, and he works at the church, so that must be sacred, but left tire dude at NASCAR must be secular. Or Jimmy Lowry with the small appliance company must be secular. And I just stopped by to let you know that if Jimmy Lowry with the small appliance repair or Bubba with NASCAR (laughs) is doing it with the right purpose and motive and I as some pastor would be starting a church and doing it with the wrong motives. Listen, Bubba with NASCAR or Jimmy with small appliance, their work is far more sacred than the pastor who's doing it with the wrong motives. Are you with me? That is key. So the question is whether or not your desire has been set apart for God. If, if you're here, you're a pastor, you're watching this somewhere around the world and you want to start a church, if starting a church makes you come alive, go for it. If being a worship leader makes you come alive, I need to say this one caveat with that one, and you're good at it, (laughs) worship leader's got to be good, I'm just saying. But if you're a worship leader and you come alive, go for it. If being a small appliance repairman makes you come alive, go for it. If being a left or right wheel dude for NASCAR makes you come alive, go for it. Listen, beloved. Listen, beloved. If being a sculptor makes you come alive, go for it. If coaching makes you come alive, go for it. If being a teacher And we all know teachers don't make enough money. But if being a teacher makes you come alive, go for it. Find your passion. Make sure you get the purpose right. And when you bring those two together in your life, you then experience joy. 
A.W. Tozer, one of the Christian greats of all time, said this, and I'll, please lean in. You don't want to miss this quote. This kind, of, this kind of gets at everything I'm trying to say. The layman, the layman need never think of his, and I would say her if you don't mind, his or her humbler task as being inferior to that of his minister. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called, and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is what, church? Why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart and he can thereafter do no common act. It's a false dichotomy. This notion that those of us in the ministry are doing the sacred and the rest of you are doing secular. It's, it's a false divide. It's all about motive. It's all about making the name of Jesus known. This is about your desire being set apart for God. Whatever you do can be God's will. Listen, church, when you do it God's way. Why don't, you, why don't you just say that with me? Just read that. Ready? Go. Whatever you do can be God's will when you do it God's way. Your life. Some of you have never heard this. Listen, listen. Your life can be as sacred as the greatest pastor to ever live. Your life and your vocation, whatever that might be, can be as sacred and as God-honoring as Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. It's all about motive. One more, one more thing you see on the screen, then I'm going to move on to the third point. It's not what you do that makes it sacred or secular. It's why you do it. Number three, number three, shifts. You got to make shifts to figure this one out. We hold fast to the biblical truth that our purpose, this is so important, that our purpose overrules, overrides, and overshadows our passion. Leave that up there for a moment. I just want to talk about it for just a moment. See, if I'm not careful, some of you will get all giddy and excited about the passion. I can go do whatever makes me come alive. Yes, you can. But if you don't get the purpose one, you've missed the entire point of my message. If you don't get the purpose part straight, you will still end up at the end of the day feeling like what you do really doesn't matter in the grand scope of things. We hold fast to the biblical truth that our purpose overrules overrides, overshadows passion. If I could put it this way, I would turn the page, but I'm not going to. Purpose, purpose. Y'all know the greater than, less than sign. Of course you do. Purpose, that's purpose there. Is greater than passion. I hope you can see that. Yes, you can. Our camera operators are so awesome. Purpose is greater than passion. When I, when I became a Christian, um, one of the most ironic twists to my entire story was I became a Christian at the age of 18 years old. And uh, I got back in school. I'd quit high school. So I got back in high school. And um, I, this is why this message is so dear to my heart. I, I graduated from high school and I, I got my grades up high enough to get into the University of South Carolina on academic probation. And the first legal job that I had was um, being a delivery boy for Alderman's Drugstore, a pharmaceutical drugstore. Family, friends, we knew them, we grew up with them. And so they knew that I was trying to turn my life around. And so they hired me. 
And I spent my days going to the University of South Carolina and delivering prescription drugs in a little old red truck that I crashed twice. I did. Um, but they still kept paying me and kept me on staff, um, kept me a job. So I, I, I delivered. And so when it became time for me to declare a major, I declared the major of pharmacy. And I busted my rear end to get my grades high enough to get into pharmacy school. And I got in. And so I was in pharmacy school at the University of South Carolina. And at the same time, God started opening doors for me to speak and share my testimony around the state of South Carolina. I shared one Sunday afternoon at a youth group. And when I got finished sharing, some parents cornered me and asked me would I uh, interview for their student pastor position. Now, I'm being real real honest with you here for a moment. Um, My first thought was this. I could use a little extra money to get through pharmacy school. I wasn't thinking in the least bit about ministry. I told them, I'm going to be a pharmacist. They said, well, we'd, we'd still like for you to consider while you're in school. They interviewed me. They offered me the job. I took the job. Two months into my time there as a student pastor, the senior pastor asked me to preach on Sunday morning to the adult congregation. I can't explain exactly, but I can say this with certainty. In that moment that I got up to preach, literally within about 10 minutes into my message, um, and I've looked at that message, it was awful. God bless those people who sat there and said amen and and, and, and smiled. And I mean, I've even listened to the old cassette. It's awful. I mean, it's terrible. Um, and I still got it. And I just listen to it every now and then and go, oh, God, help me. God bless those people. Um, but about 10 minutes into that message, I can say with certainty that I heard God speak to my spirit more clearly than I've ever heard God since then. As clear as God has ever spoken to me was in that moment. And I knew right then and there that I wasn't going to be a pharmacist, but that I was going to go into ministry. Now, here's what's a trip as I reflect back upon that. I was going into pharmacy school because where I'm from, pharmacists made good money and still do. I was going into pharmacy school because... Mr. Alderman and other pharmacists in the community were held to a certain esteem. There's, there's some prestige to being a pharmacist, if you will, in the medical field. I was going into pharmacy for all the wrong reasons. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Could I have been a pharmacist and fulfilled Colossians 3.17, the purpose part? Could I? Absolutely. Would it have been what brought me to life? Absolutely not. Can you imagine this old boy (laughs) behind a counter? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. I mean, I've done it. And some of you are here, and it breaks my heart that the truth is you get up and you brush your teeth. And you go to that same old job and nothing about it brings you alive. And life is hard. I know of nothing more important outside of salvation, of course, nothing more important than believers in Christ to find that place where they truly come alive And that place where purpose to give glory and honor to Christ overrules, overshadows passion. And there it intersects and they find that joy ride. I mean, guys, I could not imagine what some of you experience on a day-to-day basis. Which is why I know as a result of this message, some of you are just going to completely evaluate the educational program you're in. You're going to completely evaluate the job you're doing. And I just want to let you know there is nothing that brings greater joy. Nothing. 
than getting up every day of your life and doing that which you know God has called you to do and which you experience passion and the purpose of God. Like I'm up here right now. I'm not preaching because it's a job. I'm not preaching because I get a paycheck for it. I'm not preaching for any other reason. I'm preaching and will preach to the day I die because that is what God's called me to. But, but again, I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you. But I want to just turn it back on you and say, do the hard work of figuring this out. It might be a street sweeper. It might be a sculptor. It might be in the church. Listen, it might be a stay-at-home parent that brings you to life. And the culture would tell you that's ridiculous. And I would tell you that if that is your whatever and you can impact the kingdom of God by raising godly children, go for it. Whatever. It's truly whatever. So long as you do it in word or deed, giving thanks to God, giving glory and honor to Jesus Christ through God the Father. As long as it is what brings you to life. Classic example, and I'm done after this, was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. No, it was two weeks ago. My wife and I went to Atlanta, Georgia for the Final Four. Never been to the Final Four in my life. Went to the Final Four, watched that game. I just kept saying, all I hope is it's a good game. I didn't have a dog in that fight. There wasn't a Carolina team there, so I I could care less who, who won. I just wanted it to be a good game. So I sat there and just observed one of the best basketball games I've ever seen in my entire life. You remember? Remember? Michigan dominated the first half to the end of the first half. Second half, Louisville turned the tables, dominated. I didn't watch either either of the teams much this year, but I started to to really like this dude by the name of Peyton Siva. Let me show you a picture. This guy is unbelievable on the basketball court. Unbelievable. Nobody goes to the hole like him. I mean, he could split through a, through a pick and roll. I mean, this guy goes to the goal like you wouldn't believe. He, his only criticism this year is he didn't always deliver once he got to the bucket. But he could make it to the bucket. Louisville won this game and, and all the Michigan fans left out crying and cussing. But Amy Lynn and I, we didn't have anything to do. We stayed with all the Louisville fans. And it's Louisville. It's not Louisville. And it's not Louisville. If you say Louisville or Louisville, you don't know anything about Kentucky, and Kentucky people will rag you. It's Louisville. That's just a pet peeve of mine. Sorry. I lived in Kentucky for a while. The post-game celebration happened, and the team got up there on the stage. They cut the nets, and then they got up there on the stage platform. They're there. And they started singing, We Are the Champions. And I saw Louisville people crying. I saw players crying because Amy Lynn and I got really good seats. So we're sitting there. We're watching this whole thing go down. And Peyton Siva was the star of the game. Second half, he just took over. And in that moment, with tears falling and nets being cut, they, they stuck the microphone up to Peyton Siva. And he said, well, I just want to first of all give glory and honor and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in, and, and I couldn't contain myself. I yelled to the top of my lungs. It was the only time I yelled the entire night. I mean, I just watched the game till that point in time. But I just went crazy. And I thought, there it is. There it is. Here is a young man who clearly figured out what his passion was and is. Clearly figured out what his gifting, what his aptitude, what his spiritual gifts were. Playing basketball, he clearly figured it out. But he also figured out his purpose. 
And when you get those two together, church, you will be well on your way to experiencing a joy ride. And to that end, I pray for you. I pray, I pray, I pray you experience that. I pray, listen, you do whatever it takes. Like, whatever it takes to figure this one out. Because let me end where I started. We only have one trip around, beloved. I say we live it out, figuring out purpose and passion so that life can be full of authentic joy. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to give you thanks for um, this message. It's, it's, It's so much easier said than done. Father, I pray that at all of our campuses today, your spirit just settles in right now. And maybe you start to reset, redirect, recalibrate all the endeavors that make up our waking hours. God, that fundamental shifts would start to occur not only in our mind and our hearts, but God, that maybe years down the road, maybe decades down the road, God, whatever it takes, we find that sweet spot. We find that intersection where purpose and giving glory and honor to Jesus Christ in whatever we do overrides and overrules, overshadows our passion. But we find that place where those two intersect. And that we actually get up every single day of our lives. And we don't have to go to work. We get to go to work. God, I know even in just saying that and praying in this moment, for many people, this is a weighty moment. For many people, they know they've taken the wrong turn. They've followed the wrong advice. They've, They've pursued the wrong degree. They've chosen the wrong field. God, we need you to work this out. We need you to help us figure this out. We need you to help us be wise, but be diligent. Have your way. Have your way in all of our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.